0: What's up Rock Harbor? It's Chris and Keith and our met friend Edgar and we are here at the orphanage throwing a little pizza party. We're having some Pizza Hut, throw a little Pizza Hut on
1: there. Nothing says we love you like yeah. Pizza Hut, so we got some of that. Edgar is our orphanage director here in Guatemala and we're thankful yeah. to have you uh, leading our kids and, and ministering in such an incredible way.
0: Hello, my name is Edgar, I am the director of uh, this place, Maná Orphanage. Uh, thank you very much for this day. We, we had a nice time, a fun day in the zoo. Uh, and now we, the kids, they are uh, eating uh, pizza. They love pizza. So thank you very much for giving us this amazing time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so our team today, we um, started the day with the guys Doing some concrete work, laying down a ton of concrete yeah. just for their Lying playground. Yes, yes, right here. And yes. then we took the kids to the zoo, which was actually a really good blessing for the kids just to be able to go out and have some fun. And so that's what today's been. We're having a pizza party. What's tomorrow like, Keith?
1: Yes, tomorrow uh, we're excited. We're going to our feeding center where we feed 150 kids each and every day. Um, we're going to be serving at the church that was launched out of that feeding center. It's in San Lucas, so we're going to be there all day long. So, while you're in service today, we are going to be in service there. And we're praying we have over 400 people. The church is running about 200 and yeah. something. It's like double their attendance. Yeah, double their attendance. We've got bounce houses. We're doing a huge carnival. Tamales, uh, hot dogs. Uh, hot chocolate. Hot chocolate and hot dogs. Nothing says... Yeah. Like Jesus, like hot dogs and they hot wanted. chocolate. So that's what they wanted. We wanted to bring it to them. We're inviting the entire community out. We can't hardly wait for it. So you guys be in prayer. We're also praying for the services today yes. at Rock Harbor. We're nearing for a huge treat. Scott Harrop is going to be bringing the message. We're starting this new series called God's Perfect Timing. And uh, it's out of the book of Haggai. And so, hey, let's welcome that's Scott nice. to the stage. Everybody just start putting your fingers together. Let's snap together. Let's welcome Scott Harrop.
0: Well, that's not the corniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know what it is. They're in Guatemala, I guess. That's for the best they can do. I don't know. But uh, yeah, they're having a great time. Good to hear from the team uh, yesterday. And we have 32 adults on that trip uh, over there in Guatemala right now. And they've been at the feeding center and uh, then obviously church today. And you know that happens because of your generosity. Um, you know, 13% of everything that comes into Rock Harbor gets sent back out to uh, missions organizations and missionaries, and then also for church plants. And uh, because of you, there's actually a feeding center that feeds 150 kids every single day uh, because of your generosity, and also um, a church that meets because of that. So thank you for what you do. And it's really cool to see. Yeah, it's awesome. It is really cool to see we get a chance to go over there and be able to interact with the kids. And, you know, we talk about we, we want to meet a physical need, and that is through a meal. Um, and then it allows us to have spiritual conversations with kids and moms and dads. And we're seeing God do great things there. And so it's just, it's just fun to be a part of it and be able to celebrate that today. Well, today, as Keith said, we're jumping into the book of Haggai or Haggai. It can be pronounced both ways. And so I'm going to ask you to go ahead and just uh, take your Bibles and go ahead and open them up to the book of, of Haggai or Haggai, however you prefer to say that uh, today. And uh, some of you are sweating bullets right now because you're thinking, uh, is that in the Bible? Um, and, and it is. So I'll help you out just a little bit. Um, it's, it's right in between Zechariah and Zephaniah. And uh, so you can just kind of pull up right there. And uh, does that not help? Sorry. Uh, page 794 in my Bible. And uh, that, that might help. Or aren't you thankful for an online Bible app today? Right? You can just type it in there. Capital H-A-G-G-A-I. It pulls right up uh, for you. And we'll also have verses on the screen today. Uh, to help you follow along as uh, we begin to do this. But before we do that, I just want to acknowledge that that there are times in life um, that when we're growing up and going through things that um, we're at these different stages. And sometimes uh, we don't get to where we think we're going to be, maybe at the same time as we thought that we would. Maybe it starts in high school and we're trying to figure out what, what is that next stage of life going to look like. And then we graduate college, and then it's like, okay, now I need to find, like, a real job and have a real job with, like, pay and, like, benefits. And uh, we, we try to get into that, and we're like, man, this isn't necessarily working out like maybe I think that it would. Or we get out of high school and figure out what's next, and we're, all these different questions can come up to us in our life. And I think sometimes we reflect and we go, I'm not quite where I thought I was going to be. This can happen younger. This can happen in the middle of life. It can happen even when we're older in life as well. And I was reading a study a few weeks ago talking about the new thing called a quarter-life crisis. People who are about 25 years of age they are getting through school, and then they, they graduate, and then they're going, okay, what's next? And maybe, maybe the career that we have wasn't the career we thought we were going to have. Maybe the job hasn't come that we thought was going to come. And then we look on social media and we see what maybe people our, our age are doing. And, man, that can be so difficult because they're like, well, their life's different than mine. And really, you're only seeing the highlights. You're not seeing the real life. And you're just seeing these things. And it, it can become difficult. And so we see that a lot of kids there are under an extreme amount of anxiety because they haven't got to where they thought they might be by age 25. It used to be a midlife crisis, right? And for that, guys, we bought a sports car and we were good, you know? Or if you're in Idaho, you buy a four-door pickup with leather. And you're like... I've got what I need, right? I mean, that's just kind of how we roll in Idaho, and life's good. That's, that's what I really, really want at this point, and that life's good. Or maybe we get to that point where, we're like, okay, maybe the spouse hasn't come along yet, and we're thinking, when's that going to happen? I mean, God, that should happen at some point, right? And we know that we're waiting longer and longer and longer to get married today, and, and so then maybe we do find the right spouse, right? And we get married, and we think that's going to fill all the voids that we have in our life. Boy, it's really quiet. And then we're like, you know what, there's still some things that aren't where I thought they might be. And so we're like, you know, we'll fix that. We'll have kids. That'll fix everything. I mean, that makes life super easy when we have children. And so we'll have kids and that'll be, that'll be wonderful. And now we're just busier and more broke. I mean, it's like, man, there's just so many things happening or we get to those forties or fifties. and It's like, Lord, what do you have for me? Well, I give you that story because that's kind of where we find out the, what's happening in the book of Haggai. And that's where people are at at that same time. It's amazing. 500 years before Christ, and they're still going through some of the same exact things that you and I are actually walking through today so we're going to kind of walk through this and talk about what, what that actually looks like for us. And that was kind of the mood that was, that was happening back then. And so today I'm going to kind of give you maybe some of the back story before we dive into the main story of the book of Haggai. And so this is kind of what was going on in the region during that time and during those days. In about the fourth year of King Solomon, um, they had built this beautiful temple. It was a magnificent temple, and people would travel for miles and miles and miles and miles to come and worship God in this beautiful temple that they had built. And, but as time went along, people weren't necessarily worshiping as much. Matter of fact, when King Solomon died, people kind of get, they began to turn away from God, and they began to worship idols rather than worshiping God. As time went along, there was some, some uprising in the region, and about 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar, he comes on the scene, and, and he has this war, and he, we finally discover they discover they, the, the whole southern region of Judah was just destroyed, and the people were under oppression and under pressure, and, and now they were really kind of just fighting to, just to stay alive at that point, and it says that, that we find out that they actually end up in captivity for about 70 years. They end up being in captivity, and, and they're no longer able to worship the Lord. They're no longer able to worship anyone, and they were worshiping idols for a while, and uh, now the place that they used to go, this beautiful temple, they actually completely destroyed it. So there was no place for them to even even worship God. They removed them from that area of the country, and now they're in captivity. And, you know, we hear that, and we're like, okay, they were in captivity for 50 or 70 years, whatever that is. I mean, that's just not that big of a deal, but just think about this for a moment. I mean, I'm not even 50 years of age yet. I know that's shocking for some of you, but I'm not. I'm not even 50. That means my whole life would have known nothing other than being in captivity. Can you relate to that today? If you have children, right, that were born during this time, they would know no other way of life but being in captivity. They couldn't do the things they wanted to do. They couldn't live in the place they might want to live. They couldn't spend their money the way they wanted to spend it. They were in captivity and had no freedom to enjoy this life that they had been given. And that's kind of the backstory, And all that they could think about as they were in captivity was getting back to their land and rebuilding the temple. And finally, they released about 50,000 people to go back to their land and to rebuild the temple. And they go back there. And for 14 years, they began working on the temple. They rebuild the foundation first. And then from the foundation, they built the altar And from the altar, all of a sudden, they they began to experience some oppression from the Samaritans. And they find out that, you know what, we're not sure we want to continue to build this temple. You know, there are times in our life when things aren't going to go just like we hoped that they would. There are times that, man, things just don't go like we're, we thought they would, and, and that's exactly what they discovered right here. And so for 50 years, 10 dec- or five decades, all they could think about was getting back to that region and rebuilding that temple. But then when difficulty came, they stopped building the temple. And that's what we're going to pick up right here today in Haggai, chapter number one. We're going to read verses two and three here together. The Bible says, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now, it's interesting because this makes me laugh when I, when I read this a little bit. It says, thus says the Lord of the house, these people. I want you to say these people with me. If you're at the hub today, I want you to say these people out loud on the count of three. Can we do it together? One, two, three. These people. He says, these people. Now, most places when you read the word of God, when God's referring to his people, it's my people. These are my people people who are called by my name. But here he says these people. He kind of pulls one of those things that sometimes my wife, Joy, she pulls on me. Whenever our kids don't do something they're supposed to do, I I get this text message. You're not going to believe what your kids have done. You get the phone call. Some of you guys are looking at your wives right now. Don't do that. Don't look at her right now. That'll get you in trouble. You're not going to believe what your kids did today. I come home from work. You're not going to believe what your kids did today. I'm thinking. As I recall, you were there when they were conceived. I think there are, I think they're our children, not just, but I get it. It's like, you know, when they're, when they're good, they're moms, right? When they're bad, they're dads. Yeah, I heard it right over here. Yeah. When they're bad, they're dads, right? When they're good, they're, they're definitely moms. I mean, and that's probably true. I mean, it probably is true, obviously, but they had a choice and he says, you know, these people are doing these things. These people, not my people. Well, why? Because they were saying the time is not now to rebuild the temple. The time was not coming. Well, why was it not time? Well, the reason it wasn't time is because, you know what? They faced some oppression. They faced some difficulties. And instead of doing what they were supposed to do, they end up doing what they wanted to do. And they get onto that in just a few moments, and it talks about how they began to build paneled houses. So what do we do when times get tough? What do we do? What's that look like when you know it's I wrote there It says, you know receiving opposition isn't a sign that god's against you A lot of times it's a sign that you're doing what god wants you to do Receiving opposition does not mean that god is against us It simply means oftentimes we're doing what god desires for us to do because here's the thing whenever we're doing something for god Chances are there's going to be opposition when we're leaning in and pressing into what God wants us to do and following his plan, God's timing is perfect. Our timing typically is not. Does anybody else struggle with that? It's like, I get this worked out in my head how things should go. It should go just like this, or it should go like this, and then it doesn't go like that. And I'm like, what's up with that, God? I mean, how come your timing and my timing don't seem to be syncing up? And oftentimes they don't. And then opposition comes and we get frustrated. We're like, God, but I'm trying to do the right thing. And so, what they did is they said, You know what? We're going to turn from building the temple and we're going to go build paneled houses. We're going to go do what we want to do as opposed to what God wanted us to do. Why? Because it got hard. And, friends, that's the way that life goes. Life's not always going to be easy, or everybody would do it. Following Christ is not going to be easy, or everyone would do it. We think that, man, if I just love God more, he loves me, my life's going to be good. It's going to be easy, and that's not the way it typically goes. There's difficult things that happen. So we're going to talk about today, number one, what do we do when difficult times come? Number one, we choose the hard right over the easy wrong. We need to choose the hard right over the easy wrong wrong. We need to say, God, you know what? I need you to enable me, to empower me, to do the things that you've called me or told me that I need to do. Because God, I can't do it on my own. I can't figure all this out on my own. God, I need your help and your power. You know, typically we get drawn back to God when times get tough. Things go difficult. We're like, okay, Lord, I, I can't do this on my own. That's why God allows it to happen because he knows that he doesn't do things to pay us back. God allows things to happen in our life to bring us back to him. He doesn't do it to pay us back. He wants to bring us back and say, this is how I want you to live. This is what I want you to do. And when God calls us to do something, we need to continue to press forward and move and make the hard right over the easy wrong. Someone wrongs us. They say something something mean about us. Well, what do we do? We can get mad. We can get angry. We can hold a grudge. Or we can forgive. It's a choice that we get to make. It's a choice that every one of us make oftentimes even once a day. How about this? How about maybe our finances? We need to trust the Lord with our finances. You see, it's a difficult thing sometimes because we continue to buy and purchase and buy and get ourselves in debt. And and we end up getting to this place where we run out of money before we run out of a month. And we have this debt that's accumulated and we're not getting to live the life that we want to live because instead of us telling our money what we can do, we're, we're telling our money what we want to do. And we get ourselves in this place where we can't be generous any longer because we get ourselves into debt and we live outside of our means. And the hard thing to do is to get ourselves back out of debt, is to stop spending and say, okay, I'm going to live the way that I know God desires for me to live, to be a generous person. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe our marriage isn't everything that it could be. Maybe it's not everything that it should be. And instead of doing the, the hard thing and apologizing for something we've said or something we've done, we allow ourselves to grow apart for years and years and years. Instead of doing the hard work and saying, I'm sorry. I, I messed up. I was wrong. I, I'm sorry. It's even hard for me to say that today. I was ro- I can't say it. I was wrong, right? It's difficult to say that. That's making the hard right over the easy wrong. It's easy for us to do this. We have to ask God to help us through this. Choosing the hard right, it's always the right thing to do. We will never regret doing what we know God desires for us to do. That doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Now, many of us, maybe we've walked through situations where we can think back in our life that, you know, maybe things didn't go the right way the first time. Maybe we didn't make the easy right or the hard right. Maybe we made the easy wrong. Maybe we felt at one time that God wanted us to have a conversation with somebody, maybe about him. Maybe we felt at one time that that maybe I need to be more generous instead of being more generous We just kind of kept things to ourselves. I want us to think through this today as we walk through this message and and think about what, what maybe is god calling me to do What hard right do I need to make up for maybe it was something that happened a week ago maybe a month Maybe a year and maybe a couple of years Maybe 10 years maybe 20 Maybe 30 years Maybe there's some relationships that need to be restored because of things that were said or things that were done. Today, we're going to talk about that. Just think about through that lens of what what assignment should I go back to and what should I do when, when things get difficult and things get hard? You see, there's something on your heart that you really feel like maybe it's a burden from the Lord. We need to follow through and do what God has called us to do in that situation, no matter how difficult that it may be. We go on in our scripture and we read the next verse, verses three through five, and this is what... The Bible says, as I turn back there from Zechariah, verse number three, it says, then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. He said, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Point number two, we need to consider our ways. We're going to find out that he says this over and over and over again in this portion of scripture right here that we should consider our our ways. What what does that mean? It simply means that we need to just give give a careful look at our life. Give a careful look at how we're making choices and how we are making decisions. He says give careful thought to it. You need to consider your ways. Are your ways the right way or are they your way? Which way is that? Is it God's way or your own way? He goes on and he talks about having paneled houses. Is anybody else interested in what that means? Because I was. As I began to read, what are paneled houses? I mean, what does that even mean? God, I started doing some research, looking at some commentaries, and it talked about how paneled houses back in that time were beautiful, ornate homes. If we were to put it in our context today, it would mean that we would have granite countertops and beautiful wood beams and beautiful wood floors and beautiful cabinets and stone and just a beautiful place to live. Instead of building the house of God, which was lying in ruins, They were building their own homes. They were doing what they wanted to do. You see, every day we have a choice how we're going to live our life. And He says, Consider your ways. You're living your life right now doing your own thing. Now, here's the thing God's not saying He doesn't want us to have nice things. As a matter of fact, He's not against us having nice things. He just doesn't want nice things to have us. God's not against us having nice things, He just doesn't want nice things to have us. You see, it's easy in this life to get so consumed with obtaining and having more that we end up living for comfort rather than living for God. We end up living for what we want. And it comes down to really two basic, simple things. Typically, it's selfishness and typically it's pride. I want what I want. I mean, I work really hard and I try to obtain and try to get more and I want more. and, And so what's the Bible say? It says, consider your ways. We shouldn't put our comfort of head of God's calling, but it's easy to do that. Maybe there's been some situations in your life where you said, you know what, I probably should have done this a little bit differently. Maybe something happened that you're like, man, I wish I could go back and fix that situation. I got a phone call a few months ago. It was in August, actually, from my sister, and she called during the middle of the day, and that doesn't happen real often. We don't talk probably as often as we should, but we talk more often today than we have in a long time, and probably because our parents are getting older, and so she lives uh, close to my parents and, and she called in the middle of the afternoon I thought uh-oh if she's calling me something probably is wrong with mom and dad and so I, I pick up my phone and I'm like hey what's up And she's like her voice is really scratchy and I could tell something was going on and I'm like what's going on and she goes well I'm at work right now and I'm like okay and my sister's a nurse and she's a charge nurse on the floor has been for several years and she said I went and I was checking a room and I, I walked in I pulled the chart down and I read the I read, read the chart and then I read the person's name afterwards and it's aunt it's our aunt I said, well, what's going on? And she said, well, I went in and I had to ask her, um, you know, how are you doing and talking about things. And because of HEPA, she couldn't talk through certain things. But anyway, she said, the bottom line is she's not doing well. Well, the problem with that was is my sister and I haven't talked to my aunt probably in almost 20 years. My sister's talked to her more often than I have. But there was a situation that happened about 20 years ago where our family kind of went three different ways. And we stopped talking. Now, my family, my media family is great, but just my mom and her sister had some, some issues, and things didn't go the way that they should have. And the crazy part is, is that it was over church stuff. There was a church split, and because of that, the family just kind of divided three different ways. And it's ridiculous. And 20 years goes by, and not one conversation. And she's like, you know, you probably should come home sometime and, and see your aunt, and I really, I think she wanted me to see her. But anyway, so I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I'll come home. And I I went home in September, and my sister and I, we went over and spent some time with with my aunt and one of her sons and and then her husband. And it was amazing throughout that conversation to go, "Why, why did we waste 20 years? Why did we let 20 years go by and not have conversations? Because we got our feelings hurt over something, and really, in the end of the day, they didn't matter at all. 20 years later, nothing. Didn't really matter. But can I tell you, it was hard to do the right thing. It wasn't easy. Whether we were right or wrong or indifferent, it really didn't matter. So my sister, we go over there and we're sitting down and we're having a great time just talking about life and catching back up. And, you know, there was tears and there was prayers and there was all kinds of things. And 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 she has cancer and it's going to be really, really rough. And so we were just walking through and talking about what that's going to be like. And as hard as that was, it was so encouraging to do that. But while we're there, we're sitting in the backyard. We're sitting in the backyard, and my uncle's here, my my cousin's over here, my aunt's over here, my sister's sitting right across from me, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, their dog comes and bites my sister on the arm. And I'm like, okay, Lord, we are trying to do the right thing here. I mean, we are trying to do the right thing, and it's much worse for her than me, because it was a big old German shepherd. She got bit pretty good, and it drew blood, and I'm like, wow. I mean, obviously, she's not living right. I mean... There must be sin in her life. I mean, a year a year ago, she got hit by a car, literally, going 35 miles an hour. I mean, it's a miracle the woman's alive. I'm like, obviously, God has his protection over you, or he's trying to teach you something, and you're a slow learner. She always has been a slow learner, right? Making the hard right, it's difficult. It's not easy, but it's always worth it. And maybe some of us are in here today, and we're going, man, that's crazy stuff. Yeah, it is. But guess what? It's pretty typical stuff in most of our families. There's stuff that goes on in every family. We always say we put the fun in dysfunction, right? I mean, it's just, it's what we do. Maybe there's something in your life right now that you're going, man, I need to, I need to go back and make something right. I need to make something right. Because here's the deal. You don't know how much time you have. The Bible says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. What are we going to do with the situation and the time that God has given to us? We can go make the hard right, or we can make the easy wrong. It's a choice that we get to make. We go on in scriptures, and, and, and God tells us a little bit more in verse number six. This is what he says. He says, you have sown much, harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does, not, does so to put them into bags of of holes. You can work, and you can work, and you can work, and you can work, and you can try to obtain more with everything that you do, but there's only one thing that will ever satisfy in this life, and it's not money, and it's not possessions. It's Jesus. He is the only one who will ever satisfy. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. There's nothing you can do. God loves you un- Conditionally, The Bible tells us that God sent his only son, Jesus, on a cross to die. He lived here for a perfect life for 33 years. He dies on a cross, and he pays for my sins, and he pays for your sins, and he pays for the sins of the whole world. Why? Because he wants to have a relationship with you and with me. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't. If you try to add up everything in the Gospels and everything in the Bible and say, that makes sense, it doesn't. You know why? Because it's all about faith. It's all about trusting God with your life. He loves us that much. And he says we need to consider our ways. We need to consider our ways. You can try to add up all the different things in this world and gain as much as you possibly can, but it will never make you happy. I love what the great theologian Dr. Phil says. How's that working out for you? You can try to gain all you want to gain, but how's it working out for you? Some of you are Dr. Phil fans. That's cool. Some of you have probably been on Dr. Phil. Just kidding. kidding. How's it working out for us? We work and we toil and we try to do everything we can to attain more. But at the end of the day, why do we do it? And the Bible says, just money's just falling out of a bag that has holes in it. But I love how he goes on and he says this in verse number seven. He says, thus says the Lord God of hosts, consider your ways. And he tells them what they're supposed to go do. He said, you said it wasn't time yet, but I'm telling you it's time now. And you know, God never tells us, God never tells us what time it is or doesn't give us a plan to actually do what he tells us to do. God always gives us a plan. And he said, I'm going to make this really, really, really simple for them. He tells them three things they're supposed to do. He says, number one in verse number seven, he says, Go up and go up into the hills and bring down wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. God says, I'm going to make this really, really, really simple. Number one, I want you to go up into the hills. Go up to the hills. Okay, go up there. Well, does that sound easy? No, that's a hard right. He said, then I want you to come back down from the hills and bring wood with you, right? Does that sound easy? Nope. Sounds like a hard ride right again. Bring that all the way down. Then he says, I want you to come down and I want you to build the house of the Lord. God never said it was going to be easy. And the problem for many of us is we go, well, what about steps four? What about step five? What about step six and step seven and step eight and step nine? because I want to see the whole picture of what's going to happen, and then I'll get on board with steps one, two, and three. Guess what? God doesn't give us four, five, and six until we trust him with one, two, and three. That's the way it works. God says, I'll give you more later, but you need to trust me in the beginning, and I'll give you step four, step five, step six. Some of us in this room today, we're walking through through situations that we don't understand. They make no sense to us. But somehow in God's kingdom, they make sense to him. And God said, I just want you to trust me with one, two, and three. We'll get to four, five, and six later on. You see, we say it like this at Rock Harbor. What God wants us to trust him with is our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. He wants time with us. God wants time with you. He wants to get to know you, and he wants you and I to get to know him. Well, how do we do that? We know it's very simple. Right, it's as simple as just spending time alone with him in his word. It's blocking out 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes a day and, and spending some time with the Lord in prayer and spending the time with the Lord in, in reading his word and letting him talk to us through his word. He wants our time in, in saying, I've got some things I want you to do while you're here on this earth. Secondly, he wants our talent. You say, oh, Scott, that's an easy one. I don't have any talents. God hasn't blessed me with any talents. Therefore, I don't need to do anything because God just hasn't given me any talents. I'm just like a one-talent person. I'm not a five or a ten-talent. I'm just a one-talent person. And we use that excuse and say, I I don't have to do anything because God hasn't given me any talents. Hogwash, right? God's given all of us different talents. He's given all of us different abilities. The choice is, are we going to do do what God wants us to do and use the talents he's given to us? Or are we going to keep them to ourselves? Well, you don't understand. I don't like people. Do you know that there are people who sit behind places you don't even see every sunday that push buttons That the service wouldn't take place if they didn't push some buttons somewhere I don't know where they are. I don't know exactly what they do But this service doesn't take place if they're not pushing buttons somewhere You don't even have to like people to do something for god I mean you don't you gotta just say i'm gonna take the talent god's given to me I'm, just like a computer person. I I don't I don't like people a whole lot or maybe say I do like people and I don't understand computers I understand computers a little bit not a lot a little bit I, I know that they're expensive and we have to pay for them. That's what I know, right? know how to punch him a little bit and do some things and type some stuff out. God's given all of us different talents. The question is, what are we going to do with what God's given to us? And then it's the area of our treasure. And that one hits closer to home, doesn't it? It's tough to trust him with our finances. To say, I'm going to trust him with what he's given to me. We say, Scott, my my God, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He does. But you know what he wants from us? He wants just 10% back. He wants us to be faithful in the little. He wants us to trust him with that. And it's hard. It's hard to write that check or to set up that recurring donation or to whatever it is. It's not easy to do. But as we're faithful to God, it's amazing to watch how God continues to bless us. As we're faithful to him, the time, the talent, the treasure, it's not easy. That's what he's calling and telling them to do. Do you think they had questions? Go up to the hills, bring down some wood and build it. Well, you don't understand, God. I mean, I I don't actually have any ability to actually build something. And who's going to pay for all that lumber anyway? And who's going to go do all that work? I mean, I don't know how to do that. I I don't have that talent. I don't have that ability. I don't have the finances. God says, just go do it. I'll take care of the rest. You just go do it. He says, I want you to trust me with your time. I want you to trust me with your talent. I want you to trust me with your treasure. He says, make the hard right and not the easy wrong. And then consider your ways. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, there is something going on in my heart and my life. There's a sin that's there that nobody else knows about. There's some sin happening in my life and I haven't shared with anybody. Nobody knows what's going on and it's private. My spouse doesn't know. My mom or my dad doesn't know. Nobody knows what my sin is, but I do. When are we going to deal with that sin? When are we going to have an open, honest conversation with with you about your sin and say, "I, I need to take care of that, whatever it is. Whatever it is You say I don't even know what it is But god knows and you know And there has to come a time that we get honest with ourselves And honest with god because he already knows Am I going to give that back to him and ask him to help me have victory Over that sin The bible talks about a sin that so easily besets us What is that for you? If there's something there god wants you to release it and give it back To him He'll forgive us for it and we can continue to move forward He says consider Your ways Maybe it's a situation with finances. Maybe it's something in your marriage. Maybe your marriage isn't what it could or should be. And you know it. But what are we going to do about it? I just wish my relationship was was like you we know, when we first started dating. Well, if you want your relationship to be like it was when you first started dating, maybe we should do some things that we used to do when we first started dating. When was the last time you took your spouse out on a date? When was the last time you actually did a handwritten note to your spouse? not like a text message, it doesn't mean the same. Does it? Maybe I'm just old. When my wife handwrites me something, and that means a lot to me because I can actually look at it, know she put time into it, and I can read it. When I handwrite something to her, she knows that I took some time to do it because she can't read it. So, you know, it's just one of those things. If we want the relationship we once used to have, we've got to do the things we used to do with the relationship with God that we used to have. Maybe it is we need to do the things that we used to do. It all comes down to a choice. Doing the right instead of the easy wrong and considering our ways. Let's pray today. Father, we love you and we thank you for for all you've done for us. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word, God. May we continue to stay in it draw closer to you. Lord, I pray for those who are here today that maybe maybe they've been making an easy wrong for a long time. They didn't make a hard right. Lord, give them the strength to do that today. Maybe there's a sin that's in our heart or in our life that nobody else knows about. We haven't dealt with it. God, I pray that we would deal with it and move forward, that we can have victory in you because of what you've done for us. Father, we love you. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.